I'm Rebecca. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Desk Chair Detectives. Get down to business, ladies. To the okay. I was going to say it, but I didn't want to uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> move on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, moving on. <laughs> All right, so today's story has a lot going on in it. So we're going to talk about a man named Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. What a Ooh. name. Yeah, right. This is what, if, what we promised. Um, stabby, stabby. No, spooky, yeah. spooky, stabby. That was spooky, what we spooky, stabby. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I just need to prepare that, myself. Yeah, that's what a lot going on means. Just spooky, spooky, stabby. That's, okay. that's, that's how I define a lot going on. Okay. And what's his um, name again? Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Okay, so he was destined for great things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I had never heard of this guy or this story um, until last year when I watched a movie that was loosely based on real life events that involved him. So this movie was released in 2021 and it was part of the successful horror film franchise, The Conjuring. (gasps) I've okay, never no, seen yeah. any of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like a horror movie person. So they're terrifying. Um, they're so scary. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I'll get into it. But the movie that I watched was The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And this movie details the real life case of the exorcism of David Glatzel, who was an 11 year old boy, the demonic possession of Arnie, who was 19 at the time of the story, and then the murder of Arnie's friend and landlord, 40-year-old Alan Bono. Oh, my God. Oh, Alan. Yeah, so that's how he got spooky, spooky, stabby. Exorcism, <laughs> possession, murder. What do they say on TikTok? I claim no negative energy. <laughs> I haven't made it to that TikTok yet. Uh, yeah, I did. I sent you a couple haunted ones, and now they pop up on my feet all the time. <laughs> So this movie, The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, to me was like kind of silly in my opinion. Like I would give it like a four out of 10. I thought it was like way too hokey and like not at all what I was expecting. Don't Um, see the movie. Yeah, this is not an endorsement for the movie. Um, But when I learned that it was based on true events, I was like really interested in knowing like the reality of the story, not like the Hollywood adaptation of it. So here's the real story behind The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And it's a story that I'm calling the 1981 Exorcism, Demonic Possession, and Murder in Brookfield, Connecticut. Can't wait for to see how Sarah fits that one on the Instagram post. (laughs) I'm sorry, I tried to make it as long as possible. That's a lot of words I got to spell right. (laughs) So this murder case is actually the first case in U.S. history that attempted to use the not guilty by reason of demonic possession as a murder defense. Whoa, I didn't even know they that existed. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, that was well, option. it's we'll get into it later, but like it's, it Write still doesn't down. exist. <laughs> it's not an option. It oh, never, okay. It never made it out. It scratch it out. So. <laughs> You're safe, oh. George. <laughs> So like I said, this story takes place in Brookfield, Connecticut, which is a quiet town just 55 miles northeast of New York City. Something interesting about Brookfield is that before the murder of Alan Bono, there were zero recorded murders in Brookfield's 193 year history. Wow. Pretty good. 
Yeah. Well, until this. <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, Alan Bono was murdered by Arnie Johnson on February in February of 1981. And Arnie claimed that he was possessed by the devil at the time of the murder and had no recollection of what happened. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> so before the murder even happened, um, the story starts before that in the summer of 1980. So 19-year-old Arnie Johnson and his fiance Debbie Glatzel started noticing strange behavior in Debbie's 11-year-old brother, David. That summer, David had told his family that he was being bothered by an old man. He claimed that this man would taunt him and that he was really scared of him. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. In the the (laughs) beginning of this, like, Arnie and Debbie thought that he was trying to get out of chores or using this for, like, attention, so they didn't believe anything he had to say, which is, like, concerning because if, in today's age, if an old man is bothering me, like you would do something but I guess in the 1980s they didn't really care yeah oh my god so um David like wouldn't stop expressing his discomfort with the old man um he kept telling his family like what was going on and eventually these like visions became more violent in nature and he told his sister that he was seeing this man with big black eyes a thin face with animal features and jagged teeth pointed ears horns and hoofs mm, not a good hey, sign not a good like sign. That, that thing from yeah. narnia <laughs> mr thomas yeah <laughs> he did not want to go to narnia <laughs> i would expect that this would be a lot more aggressive and scary than mr thomas so David would, this would happen like while he was sleeping. So he would wake up like crying hysterically and like freaking out. Um, his family like made the connection that these visions might be like connected to the devil based on like what he was describing the appearance as. So David's family had a priest come to their house and bless it, but that didn't work. And after that, David not only started to see scary things, but his behavior itself started to change. Um, His family claimed that David would like kick and spit and bite and then also use like really terrible language. Um, They also said he was invisibly strangled where it seemed like there were like invisible hands like wrapped around his neck. And then David would struggle and like flop around like a rag doll when no one was touching him. Oh, yeah, right. I do like when little kids curse, but I don't like when they get like strangled. They're possessed. Yeah. (laughs) So all of this usually happened at nighttime, but then his visions creeped in during the day. David said his daytime visions of the old man would terrorize him was a man with a white beard dressed in a flannel shirt and jeans. So I guess he had different nighttime visions versus daytime um you're both during, flannels yeah <laughs> uh, mine's a bathrobe actually I'm a bathrobe at the moment. mine's my jacket <laughs> um also coincidentally during this time the family was noticing um like weird noises coming from their attic of the house burn it mm. burn um, to the ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Um, also, David started having seizures, was hissing for no reason, and then started to speak in strange voices. No, the, the hissing and the voices, I would have been like, you know what? This is Harry Potter. She's telling us the plot of Harry Potter. <laughs> this is actually the Both next Harry Potter book. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there was no medical explanation for David's behavior at that time. So the Glatzel family started to believe that David was possessed by the devil or an evil spirit of some kind. Um, they needed to do something to try to help him. So they enlisted the help of paranormal investigators and demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Those are the conjuring people. Yes. Mm -hmm. So something that I found while like researching this was that Ed and Lorraine Warren, their real life experiences inspired other horror movies in addition to The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So other works that are based off of their paranormal work are Annabelle, which is the story of a doll that was supposedly occupied with the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, a young girl who died. That one scared the shit out of me that one in the first (laughs) conjuring movie oh my god yeah another one was the conjuring which is the story of the Perrin family from rhode island whose house was possessed by the spirit of a woman named bathsheba who was a satanist and a suspected murderer of a little girl who had lived in that house in the 1800s well Mm-mm. heart-stopping terror <laughs> I remember then, oh, this is a side note I remember when I went I went with my friend and she was like okay I'm gonna go to the bathroom and was gone for like the first 20 minutes of the movie and I was sitting there like she, was she just too dead. scared or she had a poop oh no she was pooping <laughs> so terrifying anyway <laughs> keep going you can cut that out but I remember sitting there like this terrifying with my ear like my thumbs in my ears no, no. <laughs> i'm not here right now um and this case was their claim to fame they also inspired the amityville horror where the oldest son of the defeo family murdered his entire family um which started the speculation that spirits haunted the amityville house so that's just like background on what ed and lorraine warren were up to they were they had their foot in all of these um events so when the Glotzels brought, brought in Ed and Lorraine, they were convinced from the start that David was possessed. However, psychiatrists that investigated this entire story like years later um, said that David had a learning disability. So he wasn't possessed. They claimed that it was a learning disability. <laughs> but, is it a learning disability or yeah. is he possessed? Yeah. That's how you Yeah. ends of the spectrum, what? right? <laughs> I don't think learning disabilities and like demonic possession like manifests in the same way. So I'm a little confused by a little skeptical. Yeah, just a little. Somebody is lying or not doing their job right here. Yeah, I don't I don't read so great, but I uh, I've never killed anyone. Never spoken in tongues. Yeah. Um, so after they brought in Ed and Lorraine, um, they started doing and performing exorcisms on David. So all in all, they performed three or four. There was like conflicting numbers on how many they performed, um, all with the help of priests. So during these exorcisms, David supposedly levitated, used foul language and stopped breathing. 
On one occasion, David started speaking during an exorcism and loosely predicted that Arnie would murder someone even before the murder of Alan Bono took place. Uh, I'm sorry, are those symptoms of a learning disability? <laughs> I mean, according to levitating. So all summer and through the rest of 1980, the Glotzels, priest, priests, Ed and Lorraine tried to get this like possessed possession out of David. Um, according to some reports, during one exorcism in October of 1980, Arnie taunted the demon. He told the demon to stop possessing David and to, quote, take me on and leave my little buddy alone. So a few days after Arnie taunted the spirit, he actually had a car accident where he crashed into a tree. Arnie wasn't hurt, but he said right after the crash, he found himself face to face with an old man similar to what David described earlier in his possession. Um, Arnie said he made eye contact with the demon and then from there he believed and so did Ed and Lorraine that he also became possessed and that the demon was controlling his car in the car accident Mm, that's scary so soon after this car accident Debbie and Arnie actually moved out of Debbie's family home and moved into an apartment over Debbie's work so she had just recently been hired as like a dog groomer at a kennel that was owned and operated by Alan Bono. Since there was an apartment like over the business, uh, they decided to move there and then um, they just like paid rent to Alan. So after moving into their new place, Debbie noticed Arnie acting strangely. She noted that it was kind of similar to how David was acting and was afraid that Arnie was now possessed as well. Debbie said that Arnie would like zone out and fall into a trance and sometimes he would growl or hallucinate and then like not remember anything. Mm. So when Arnie and Debbie moved into their new apartment, Arnie became friendly with Alan. Um, Arnie would actually like call out of work and, and say he was sick so he could hang out around the kennel and be with Debbie and Alan. Uh, but soon their friendship would turn deadly. so from what i read and researched about this compared to the movie it was like super different how alan's murder was explained so like in the movie it seemed like it was a normal day and then out of nowhere like alan became possessed stabbed alan to death and then later cops found him like walking down the side of the road and he was like covered in blood And he was like in a trance. And then as soon as like a cop spoke to him, he like snapped out of it and then had no recollection of what happened. But that story is like vastly different to how it played out in real life. So here's how people who were actually witnesses to the murder say they remember it. So on February 16th, 1981, Arnie called into work sick with a sore throat, like playing hooky because he wanted to hang out with his fiance and his friend Alan. So Debbie and Alan were working at the kennel and Arnie joined them. It was actually George Washington's birthday that day. So schools were closed. Happy birthday, George. You guys get off of school for that, (laughs) right? So Arnie's sister, Wanda, who was 15, Jan and um, his other sister, Janice, who was 13, 
and then Debbie's cousin Mary who was nine all came to the kennel that day to like play with the dogs and hang out with their family on their day off um Alan bought everybody lunch at a local bar and then he started to like drink during the lunch and Wanda said that he was drinking pretty heavily but Arnie and Debbie were also having some wine so after lunch they came back to the kennel and um Arnie fixed a stereo that um Alan had had and then Debbie finished grooming her clients for the day so later on, Debbie decided to take the, the girls out for pizza. And Wanda remembers that Debbie wanted to go quickly and get back because she sensed some tension building between Arnie and Alan that afternoon. Mm. When they came back from getting pizza around 6.30 p.m., Alan wanted everyone to go upstairs to Debbie and Arnie's apartment so he could be alone. So when the girls and Debbie and Arnie all went upstairs, they could hear like Alan's TV really loud downstairs and then hear him like punching shit and like getting frustrated for no reason. So Debbie like really wanted to get the girls out of the house and like back home because it was getting kind of weird. So they all went downstairs. Arnie went outside to get the car ready and Debbie was kind of like ushering the girls towards the door. So when those three girls started leaving, Alan grabbed Mary who was like the nine-year-old girl and refused to let her go. Hmm. When Debbie tried to like loosen Alan's grip on Mary, Arnie came back in and saw what was going on. Um, Arnie told Alan to let go of Mary and Debbie was kind of like in between all of them. It was like a weird altercation where Alan had control of Mary. Debbie was trying to get him off and then Arnie stepped in. Like a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. So Wanda kind of described these events like she said all of a sudden it just broke and she described hearing Arnie growling and his disposition was like stoic. Um, Then Wanda said that she saw something shiny fly through the air and then it was over. So Arnie had stabbed Alan repeatedly with a pocket knife. He was stabbed in the chest and in the stomach and then he fell over and bled to death. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. So, like, these are two totally different accounts of what happened compared to, like, real life in the movie. Um, And, like, after learning and hearing about the real circumstances of what happened, I really don't believe that Arnie was possessed, like, at all. Right. Like, to me, Alan grabbed this nine-year-old girl and then Arnie reacted. Like, yeah, Yeah. he, he killed him, but, like, if a grown-ass man was grabbing a nine-year-old girl, like, you do something about it. And know? even Definitely. he said, like, they had been, like, tension, like, all day, right? They had been, there had been, like, weird vibes between them, like. Yeah, yeah. Something was cl- clearly brewing. Yeah, like, to me, it was, like, blind rage, yeah. not yeah. Uh, demonic possession. Um, and authorities thought the same thing. They thought it was, like, an open and closed case. Arnie killed Alan simply because of, like, this weird altercation that happened. Um, however, because of his involvement with David, his exorcisms and him verbally taunting this demon, Ed and Lorraine Warren believed he was possessed by the same demon as David. And Arnie then believed he killed Alan because he was under the devil's spell. So like Ed and Lorraine Warren were kind of like telling him like, no, you were possessed from the jump. Oh boy. You like those two? Ed and Lorraine? 
Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Not a fan of them. Okay. So Arnie went to trial over this obviously because he murdered somebody whether he was possessed by the devil or not um and his lawyer martin manella entered arnie's plea not guilty by reason of demonic possession (laughs) a little silly yeah um but arnie's defense plan really depended on a couple things one was to subpoena the priests who participated in david's exorcisms however it breaks priest tradition to talk about things like that and they were ordered not to speak on it publicly by the diocese of bridgeport though the priests acknowledged that they helped david glossel during quote a difficult time so the collaboration of the priests that participated in the exorcisms that was never confirmed Hmm. which sucked for the defense why doesn't a priest have to like not not like tell the truth on the stand like if you call a witness i I guess like maybe it's like the confidentiality thing like you know like if someone goes into confession and says like i murdered somebody they're not allowed to tell the police i did not know that yeah the the priests aren't allowed to like give out like things that were said to them in confidentiality like per religious powers i guess i know at some point like i forget when if it was more recent than that but like they they are told that not to perform any of those kind of yeah I think like anymore yeah well, and this was like during the 80s so I'm not yeah. sure like when that happened but mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. I think communicating with the devil is not something that the catholic church or any church in general um endorses oh, yeah. I think not I would say so <laughs> So um, another thing that Manella attempted to do to prove demonic possession was tap into other cases of similar circumstances. However, this was the first case to claim demonic possession in the U.S., so he needed to go to Europe. So his lawyer went to England and talked to other lawyers who have been involved in cases like Arnie's. However, none of them in Europe either made it to trial. Um, Manila also planned to bring exorcism specialists from Europe to testify for Arnie. Um, the last thing that Manila wanted to address was the clothing that Alan was wearing at the time of the murder. He tried to prove that the lack of blood, rips, and tears on Alan's clothes supported demonic involvement because apparently like the status of Alan's clothes wasn't overtly consistent with the stabbing and the fact that like he died by bleeding out like his clothes didn't have the amount of blood or like rips that you would expect from a stabbing yeah maybe his shirt lifted up or something in this all in the fight and you know there's an explanation there's gotta be so like despite all of this The judge in this case, Judge Robert Callahan, rejected the plea of not guilty by reason of demonic possession. Um, He said that such a defense is unscientific, impossible to prove, and any testimony on the matter would be irrelevant. (laughs) Tell me how you really feel, Judge Callahan. Shot down. Um, The only thing that ended up making it to court was the clothing evaluation, but no one believed it at all. Hmm. so since the judge rejected his plea um his legal team went with a self-defense plea instead 
and Arnie was convicted in November of 1981 and was charged with first-degree manslaughter. He received a 10 to 20-year sentence. So while he was in prison, Arnie actually married Debbie, got a high school diploma, took college courses, and earned other educational certificates. Wow. Um, Police called Arnie an exemplary inmate and was released early after a unanimous vote from the hearing board after only serving five years. Five years? Just five, yes. Wow. Oh my God. So while Arnie was in prison and forever after prison, he never showed signs of demonic possession ever again. Wow. I'm pretty <laughs> sure a devil can follow you. <laughs> right? Like, well, maybe he didn't want, maybe the devil didn't want to go to jail. So when he found that true. out, he was like, bye. I <laughs> would think me, that he would be like a kid in a candy shop for him in jail. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess like, he, look at all these on, like, he wants to prey on innocent people, not people true. that are also evil, I guess. Can you but, uh, remind me of the relationship between David and the killer? Arnie. Arnie. So Arnie and Debbie were um, getting married and David was Debbie's little brother. Gotcha, gotcha. They gotcha. all lived in the same house at the time of David's. So it's um, his now like brother-in-law. Yeah. Gotcha, okay. Yes. So Arnie and Debbie like still stand behind the fact that Arnie was possessed by a demon at the time of Alan's murder, like to this day. Mm-hmm. So sense. what I wanted to know too is like, what happened to poor little David? I was just going like, to yeah. ask you. Yeah, like there was so much media attention like during this time um, that he stayed away from literally everything since. So it's kind of hard to say like what happened to him after Arnie was like quote unquote possessed and also it got kind of overshadowed by like Arnie and the murder and the whole big spectacle with Ed and Lorraine so what I did find is that um David and his brother Carl ended up suing this author named Gerard Brittle for a book that he wrote about all of this because he wrote this book with Lorraine Warren and they claimed it violated David's rights to privacy and that it was, quote, an, an intentional infliction of emotional distress. Oh, poor David. Yeah, yeah. that's sad. You know, Did Carl he even give also, him a cut of, like, the money? I don't, I don't even know. Like, there's not that much about him because he just wants to stay, like, away from everything. Yeah. Because, like, they really think that they took advantage of his situation to like really blow it up into this like sensationalized story yeah and even his own family too like he was clearly going through something yeah and then like your brother-in-law is a jerk and he's like oh yeah me too right yeah like carl his other brother said that this entire story was made up by the warrens and that they took advantage of his like mental health issues for money and attention um but today Carl said that David is doing better and is healing from like the mental illness that tormented him as a child. So I guess like since this whole story has been like over sensationalized, like he really just had really bad mental health issues when he was a kid and like they made up this huge story surrounding it and kind of that's insane. Yeah. Just made him, made him all sad. sad. 
Yeah, but, that's really sad. But yeah, that is the story of the 1981 exorcism, demonic possession, and murder in Brookfield, Connecticut. Spooky, wow. spooky, stabby. You were not wrong. Yeah, you were yes. wrong. I don't like it, honestly. I don't like I have <laughs> there's like a few things I really don't do well with. Sharks, mold, <laughs> like things with eyeballs in scary movies. Ooh, yeah. Old people in scary movies and like devil things. Those are my top five no-nos. And that had like three out of five. <laughs> Sarah, have you seen the movie The Visit? yes i have and you like tell freak you, out? i did not like that old people should not be scary <laughs> i love that movie it was so good you do so, you i've never seen it movies. oh my god you don't like germs do you <laughs> i, I like that. scary movies but i, I like m night Shyamalan. <laughs> Oh, what a homie my favorite movie is the village if <gasps> that was good one. i watched that i rewatched that recently i, I really was, like, like obsessed with it when i was like eight years old like let me know <laughs> what was the other one i liked um not get out what was the other one that he did oh after it after get out right was it his second yeah one? I don't know. What is it called? I don't remember. But that one, whatever it was, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> What's his name? Us. 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 Yeah. I didn't see that either. Jordan Peele, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one's really scary. That one's creepy. There's I a s- new one. I know, I saw too. that too. But I have, I like his movies because when you see the trailers, you have literally no idea yeah. what the movie's about. Oh, the new one is called Nope. nope. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. I like um like I, I I like a thriller, like a psychological thriller movie. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my favorites. Those but are my favorite I, books to read too. Me too. I, yeah. I don't like a uh like ghosty thing. Something that could like happen to you, I guess. Yeah, like those. I know they're so stupid, but the paranormal, paranormal activity ones. Those are the scary. one with the little kids. I couldn't. I was like, this is messed up. Yeah, those are creepy. The first no, one's I, pretty creepy. Yeah, I need a I need a scary movie that's gonna scare the shit out of me because I've seen a lot of scary movies and they're just like, yeah, that was good. But, like, I want to be really scared, but I'm not scared by them. Did you ever see, um, was it The Strangers? No. With Liv Tyler? That one scared me. I saw that in one in theaters. I was screaming so loud. (laughs) Because it's based off, they took, like, a bunch of different true stories and kind of merged into one. So it's, like, it has influences of like the Manson family killings and like it got a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good movie. <laughs> I said it was scary. I just got a new book that I saw on TikTok. Uh crap, what's it called? Why am I just forgetting the names of everything today? <laughs> it's um, one of those days. First day of spring. Have you guys heard, heard of it? it? No. 
it's about um this woman who kills uh another kid when she's a kid oh and it like flashes back and forth between like that time in her life and then like now that she's an adult and has her own child <sighs> oof that's did you see did you i remember watching it was like on a vh1 like children who kill and there was that like redheaded like redheaded boy oh oh i have him on my list he just got like released or something right yeah i had i wrote his name down actually turn in tune in next week for ali's take on that story (laughs) i think it's dylan redwine is that what it was uh eric smith wow what a basic ass name oh he's like nerdy please don't come and kill me eric smith if you see the picture child he looks like he has no soul like he looks yeah. really well great. i think is that where they wear the like ginger 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 i don't know balls. probably yeah it was like uh he was how old was he he was 13 or something or 12? yeah like 12 or 13 and he killed like a like a little kid My God. yeah he was young he and was he young. like went into the police station and was like yeah i saw him that day and they were like where and then he like obviously they figured out it was him. Yeah, but he just got out of jail, right? Yeah, because he was sentenced oh, to know. the maximum term available for a juvenile, which was a minimum of nine years. But it was nine years to life, and that was in 1994. So he just got out. Damn! Imagine like going to jail at 13 and then coming out when you're a full-grown adult and don't know what the hell to do with yourself oh yes yeah yeah he was was scary looking yeah he was this was the life he was meant to lead look at him bald oh poor guy (laughs) not poor guy but whatever well that was really good yeah Yeah. it lived up to its uh spooky spooky stabby yeah you're totally right can we get um merch that says spooky spooky stabby next christmas you know what you do yeah. uh next uh, april you two know what you're getting <laughs> <laughs> reach out to us if you would like merch yeah you can reach out sarah i was gonna say reach out to rebecca no yeah. i'm not i'm that not was just a, anything <laughs> that was just a nice thing that you're supposed to say oh yeah yeah i didn't really mean it um, i don't mean it <laughs> just think about it in your own head if you want merch, yeah if you'd like it yeah. yeah in theory in theory we're saying you can have it yeah but not really but not really yeah i'll send you the logo file and you can get yeah perfect spooky spooky stabby trademark yeah tm <laughs> tm all, all right. right good job rebecca good job Ooh, thanks pals all right talk See to you next soon oh <laughs> Bye. Resources for this episode include allthatsinteresting.com, Associated Press News, the University of Virginia Law Library, and the Washington Post. Desk chair.